We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how you doing? Hope everyone's having a good day. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Styers. The guy in the red shirt is uh, Bobby Hensley. Glad to have you around today. How you doing, Bobby? I'm doing great. It, it's always a nice time when I get to interact with Sean Styers. Yeah, you know, it makes my day better. The fun part of of uh, doing a podcast is all the technology it takes to do a podcast. <laughs> it's well, like, I mean. Simple things like internet, simple things like internet, right? I had to, I had to reboot my whole computer just a minute ago, the whole thing. And it's like, you know, the little, I've got a Mac, you know, so the little uh, colored pinwheel is spinning and all that fun stuff. So I feel like I'm just humble brag about the Mac though. I don't know about that. I'm not bragging (laughs) about anything right now. Sponsored by Macintosh. Yes, I wish. We've got a lot to, uh, a lot to talk about today. Turned out to be a fairly eventful day. You want the bad news or the good news first, Bobby? I always like leading with the bad news, don't you? Okay. All right. So we'll go with the bad news Ooh. first. Um, Notre Dame announced today that Mitchell Evans, the sophomore to be tight end, had surgery to repair a broken foot. He broke his fifth metatarsal. And thanks to Google and uh, what is it? WebMD. <laughs> The uh, yeah. the metatarsal is the long bone on the outside of the foot that connects to the small toe. So it's uh, it's out there. So again, we're starting with the bad news. So that's the bad. You know, we've got uh, a, a lot of different topics we're going to get to today. But that is the worst of the news that we've got for today. Well, and um, hearing you read that medical explanation might have been the most intelligent thing I've heard ever heard you have. Oh, so, thanks. Good thanks, for you. Yeah. 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 Announced right. everything well. I, I don't ever go to WebMD, though, because at that point, it always ends with or it could kill you. But <laughs> that's but uh, that's probably true. It, it, it always hurts to lose any player, especially at a position like that, that Notre Dame is always used so frequently. Yeah. Um, so it's not good news for the program at all. Hopefully it's a quicker recovery because he's young and hope you know in shape and all you can do is hope that you get him back sooner than later. Uh, I you know that that position though is it is it's a skilled position that Notre Dame frequents, 
but I think that they can tread water until he's ready to go. Well, and I mean, it's a position of depth, obviously. You know, like mm-hmm. you look at you, you look at the position groups, it's arguably the deepest position group they've got. I mean, they've become tight end you. Right. You know, and he had two yes, catches yeah, for 21 right. yards last year, you know, so it's not like he was heavily used. And, you, you know, Michael Mayer is at the top of the depth chart, and that's obviously the good news, but Evans was kind of vying for, you know, for the for the spot right behind Michael Mayer, which would have meant we would have seen a lot of him, um, you know, but again, it's a position of depth. So you've got Kevin Bauman potentially as the next guy. He's a junior, had a leg fracture himself last season, ended up playing in five games after he came back, but he had a really nice fall camp last year. But because of that injury, we never really got to see him. Kane Barong, another rising sophomore knee injury at the end of of last year, and then you've got a couple of freshmen, Eli Raritan and Holden Stays. Raritan himself had an injury, so unfortunately, this is kind. Of, you know, it's been a yeah. it's been a banged up group, but again, it is a deep group. If it does end up being Kevin Bauman, just based on what we saw from him last year, you know, there's there's a lot of potential there. He was a huge red zone target during training camp last fall, and then you know again ends up with the injury, so it, it never really took off for him. So you hope that Mitch Evans you know, can get healthy as soon as possible. Foot injury, you just don't know, especially when you're talking about those small bones like Mm -hmm. that. You you know, like the list Frank is probably the one that we've heard the most of. But, you know, again, you're still talking about a smaller bone in your foot. Hopefully, you know, it, it, it things come together. There is some time between now and training camp, although we're getting closer to training camp, what, 51 days away, you know, from the start of the season. So camp's going to be on us here pretty soon but again it's a position of depth and you just you know with all the especially with the running backs who have been injured you just don't want to keep hearing about more injuries to these guys well you never you never want injury before camp especially now but i think the worst part of this injury is to evans himself because like you said these other guys now might jump in and be able to jump them and then now where does he fit in the depth chart once he's healthy is he still going to get the same shot that he had before so that, you know, next man in is always the mentality and they're getting a shot now and good for them. So who knows where he'll actually. So the only I think he might be hurt worse than the team. I mean, physically pain, but also I think it'll be interesting. Right. To see what because of the depth. The and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll take this time to uh, just throw out the quick reminder. Like us, subscribe on YouTube. It helps us out quite a bit. Podcast platforms as well. You can follow us, rate, and all that kind of good stuff. Throw your comments out there. Bobby hasn't seen a good comment yet, so uh, you know, throw Bobby <laughs> a comment if you'd like. But it, it, it really does help us, so uh, you know, that's my uh, quick PSA at the top here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the good news, Sean Stifler announced his Notre Dame's new baseball coach today and, you know, went over to the press conference first time, you know, got to see him in person for the first time. Really, like based on, you know, the the uh, the photoshopped images we've seen with him and the <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame Notre cap Dame and, yeah. yeah, all that different stuff. He didn't necessarily look exactly what I thought he would look like in person. You know, he's got more hair than me, but he's got as much gray, gray hair as me, you know, and this is a guy who's 43 years old, been around a while, been at Virginia Commonwealth, really good track record at Virginia Commonwealth. And I think the the thing that obviously, you know, not obviously, but the thing that stood out to me the most, he talked about pitching and defense. And those are going to be the things that are going to drive this team. And, you know, that's the, the what drove his teams at Virginia Commonwealth. It's what's driven this team here at Notre Dame the past couple of years under Link Jarrett, you know, like, his pitching staff finished in the top three in ERA in the Atlantic 10 in each of his last seven full seasons. You know, so like you throw out 2020 for COVID. And they were also in the top three in fielding percentage in seven of his last nine full seasons. So they've been really good. And, you know, they've been to the NCAA tournament the last couple of years. They built it on pitching and defense. And uh, that is, that's always been to me the place to start. And I think a couple of the coaches, uh, Mick Aoki and, and Dave Schrag, kind of got away from that. Uh, blueprint a little bit you know that's kind of what you know again like you go back to Maneri and Murphy they built it on that uh, had a lot of success Link Jarrett built it on that you know obviously had ultimate success and now Sean Stifler basically talking about the same thing and he's a guy with a pitching background as well so you can see why he would put a lot of emphasis on pitching well you know uh, you want to you always want to win. So like you can say pitching and defense, but if you get recruits that are better hitters, you're going to go with that too. I don't think you can build the program on that, but it's interesting. I mean, I'm glad they got their guy. It wasn't that long of a search. So that's nice. And the program. So we talked about before how link Jarrett won't be hotter than what he is right now. Maybe he's done everything he can do for Notre Dame baseball. And that's why his stock was so high, but also the program stock is high because they were the ones that actually made the World Series, Notre Dame. So it's a lucrative place for someone to go, perhaps, because it's no longer a sleeping power. I mean, they have success recently. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with losing some key pieces. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they can do down the stretch with this guy. Yeah, David Penny asked what the A-10 is like in baseball. And, you know, we're not going to, you know, confuse the A-10 with – with a power conference by any means, you know, by and large, it is a one bid league, but you know, for, but they play it's like that, Virginia yeah. Commonwealth itself, you know, that league is kind of spread out a little bit. You've got some Northern programs in there. They play some, like they play Virginia every year. They typically play North Carolina. They play Florida state. You know, they, they play some of those, they play a lot of the Southern schools, you know, some of them in midweek games, some of them sometimes on the weekends early in the season, like everybody else. But, they have the same ERA as Notre Dame this season. They tied for for ninth in the nation, I think it was, in, in ERA at 3.91. And they went to the NCAA tournament, and they knocked off Georgia in their first game. They beat North Carolina in their second game. 
And then all they needed to do was win one more game. They were going to go to a super regional. Unfortunately for them, they lost the next two games to North Carolina. But, you know, that's again, this is it's a it's a Virginia Commonwealth program that has been relatively short on long, you know, long term success. But he's taken them to three NCAA tournaments since 2015. And the program's only super regional. So I think that there's, you know, when you look at his overall track record, there there's more on his resume than even Link Jarrett had coming out of UNC Greensboro a few years back. Well, and that's kind of what you're you're getting at it. But like, all you can do is beat the teams that you play, and if you can elevate your program and your conference to be the top of the conference and be a perennial power, that that says something about you, right? I, so if he can do that there, you know, then you go to a bigger bigger program and a bigger conference and just repeat the process. That's how all of this works, especially in baseball. You know, you, if you can build Notre Dame into continued success, even beyond this, I don't see why he can't. He's already had the track record of it. So I think you're looking yep. at a guy that's already kind of proven himself in the only ways he can. And that's what you have to do is give a guy a shot and see where he ends up. Marcus Freeman was there today. He talked about, uh, uh, Sean Stifler talked about growing up in Western Pennsylvania and and you know seeing Ron Paulus play quarterback and Paulus was actually there. He mentioned Ron Paulus and everyone's like, "Hey, he's in the back of the room." So you know that was kind of a that's cool. cool and it's always thing. nice to have the Notre Dame backing. And like I said, no matter what sport, Notre Dame's always the brand and it's always a power. So like you can you can recruit based off of that. So yeah. if he's as good as he was at his previous place, building them up in the A10, hopefully it's the same here. I mean, we'll see, you know, we'll see. He, he's, he, you know, he, he had a lot of good things to say, not afraid of, you know, the, the, the things that maybe, you know, detractors would say about Notre Dame and that kind of stuff, just listening to him. He's obviously got to go out and, and do it now, but I, I, I like whether I, I like the direction they went. He also talked about leaning on uh, Brian O'Connor, a former Notre Dame assistant who's been the head coach at Virginia since 2004. And, you know, he kind of talked to him a little bit about all this. Well, and all like, right. whatever, well, I'm saying like, it's really cool to have that backing though. Like that Freeman was there and stuff like, it's just nice yeah. that they're, they're a lot of coaches in Notre from Dame. the different sports right. were there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was pretty cool. All right. It's been two weeks since the rumble across college football began, you know, USC and UCLA and all that. We've got 51 days to go until Notre Dame and Ohio state. So let's get into the meat and potatoes. Um, first, before we get to, I guess, what's going to be our main topic today, the Twitter poll and th that we did, after all the USC, you know, UCLA, Big Ten, you know, college football world's imploding news two weeks ago, things have calmed down quite a bit. Bobby, do you think that we're going to hear any what you would call substantial new news along those lines before training camps? actually open up in less than a month now? No, and I tell you why. I don't know how many more moves. The only move that could be made that would make ripples at this point is Notre Dame going to a conference. You already have Texas and Oklahoma. You already have UCLA and USC. Which I, I argue even less of those two. But there's not that many uh, blue blood programs or the, the big fish out there to be cast into these conferences. The, the, I guess the only other ca caveat could possibly be if the Pac-12 and Big 12 unite for something. Yeah, but I think other I, I than that, I just I don't see that don't coming see, together in this amount of time. Though, right. You know, it's like at this point, I think everyone now 
is kind of focused on, okay, the season's coming up, training camp's coming up, you know? So I just, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon either. And any, and any of the moves that they've been making, I mean, they're huge, but they're still a year and a half, two years away. So it's not like, okay, well, they have to hurry up and settle this conference by the beginning of the season. There still could be stuff that comes down the pipe during the season or between the season and the Bulls, the big Bulls. Obviously, there's a bowl game every day now um, once you get to the end of the season. But I think that the, before the season, there's no way. I think everything's settled. There's not that many pieces that can move unless it's a conference realignment on the lower level, which isn't as big, and or Notre Dame joining, which they're not going to do right now. So, no, I I completely think everything's settled for now. We can just get on track with looking at football and who can beat who this year. Well, it's, you know, and like that, the Notre Dame piece to this whole thing and whether or not they're going to move. And now, you know, again, we're going to, you know, that's kind of part of our topic for today, but you're talking about maybe even two years out before they really, you know, again, unless some other big ripple, you know, comes from someplace and, you know, like the SEC yanks away Clemson or Florida State or whatever, you know, something like that. Which, Notre Dame's got some time because of when that TV, because the fact that the TV, their TV contract and the college football playoff current contract both end at the same time after the 2025 season. So, I mean, you know, again, unless some other, you know, big bomb drops in some other spot that, that maybe kind of forces Notre Dame's hand to some extent i i think we're probably you know even looking at a couple of years out before something really has to happen well it's like irish Town asked is, is the pac-12 on life support i think they absolutely are but again everything is two years down or it, it's a you have a time period that you can wait now because who's going to join them the pack or the big 12 and the pac-12 they have time to sort out because i think by the end of the next year maybe some of those programs will leave and the Pac-12 might just dissolve, you know, and some of the programs go to the Big 12 and they rebrand themselves or some go to the ACC because obviously regional bias doesn't matter anymore for these conferences. Right. They can go national. So I think that right now everybody's focused on what's coming this year. Yeah, I think a lot of the conferences are on life support. I think all of college football is if you're not in the Big Ten, Notre Dame or the SEC. Um, but I don't see anything changing between now and the end of this playing season. I agree. I think the next news you'll get before you get more conference news will be about the playoff expanding. I think that'll so, be the next thing towards the end of the year. See, I don't even think that's going to happen before the end of the year, because again, the big 10 and the sec are they're They're really going to drive this whole thing. You know, they, they, that's where they hold the cards. But again, you know, mm -hmm. just based on the things that we've heard, it's, you know, there, there seems to be a, a place still for Notre Dame in there because of Greg Sankey and the SEC wanting to prevent Notre Dame from, from yeah. jumping over to the just big block 10. Move. But yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, like they need it. Whatever happens, there's supposed to be a majority of the conference commissioners voting on on it to approve whatever the new contract is, is going. But again, you know, that doesn't expire until after 2025 either. So they have some time on that. And now I, I think that I think that that probably all shakes out somewhat, you know, maybe within the next year or so, because I think they were initially hoping that maybe something was going to happen by next year. But then when all this stuff happened a couple of weeks ago, it definitely put things on the back burner because yeah. the, 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 the big again, the big the Big Ten and the SEC can basically say, well, this is what we want. You know, like we want 
three teams per we want three of our our teams you know per conference or four of our teams whatever it happens to do we're going to go to 12 and if everybody else votes no then they can just say well we've got the majority of the best teams we'll just go and do our own thing over here and we'll take whatever money you know we can get out of it and and it'll be big because people would pay to see it right well i think what you're talking TV would pay to see it well people would in person too i mean it's just they hold all the cards they almost have this whole playoff hostage right now i I think that I could see the playoff though this year, depending on how the year goes, but there every year it seems like the outcry is for more and more teams to join, but this has been going on for 50 years or more. Cause it was always, we need a playoff. We need a playoff. We need, and then they got the one versus two. And then it was like, that's not enough. That's not enough. Then they expanded to four. Now I think every year you're seeing more and more reasons why they can make compelling arguments to expand, but I guess you're right until all the teams settle. What can you really expand to? Because you can't just be like, all right, let's, let's go to eight. And then Pac-12 said, and then next year Pac-12 is not going to even exist. And so then you get to a situation where it could get dicey. And I think with the conferences, you might say they, they want three people guaranteed or three teams guaranteed or whatever. I could see that because there's no guarantee. The conferences are going to be like eight and eight to be 16. It could be four, 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 and four. And then the winner of that little pool advances, or who knows how how it changes down the road. I mean, we can all fantasy book it all we want, but until everything's settled, we know the number of teams and the conferences involved. It's all just like a fantasy game that we don't know the answers. (laughs) It is. Matthew Berry will be tracking it. Not on ESPN, but somewhere else. else. Starting his own thing. So here's our question of the day, and it kind of ties in to this here's the question put it out on twitter earlier today we touched on this early in the week i thought we'd kind of open it up a little bit more though and try to get more actual fan feedback out of this so i put it out there did a twitter poll today asked this question would you rather see if you're a notre dame fan would you rather see notre dame join the big 10 full-time and be guaranteed one national championship in say the next 15 years or stay independent and not know if they will ever win a championship again. You're already smiling. I want to read a couple responses before we get started here, okay? P-Wagon says, I'll join anything if it guarantees an Irish natty. Uh, Counter to that, Sports Talk Drew guaranteed, and he put in quotes, a national championship. Give me independence because I want to win more than one in the next 15 years. Clutch Sports, Notre Dame. 15 years is a long time to only win one natty. I would rather stay independent and win multiple. The state of the program feels like it's on an upward trajectory. I don't want to compromise that. You know, and I, to an extent, okay, I get what you're saying, but here's what I don't get about those comments. Maybe you're thinking the same thing. Yes, 15 years is a long time to be guaranteed. One national. How long has it been? It's been 34 years, Bobby. (laughs) 34 years since they last won a national championship. You were what? Still in diapers when they won a national championship? I was actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're in diapers now, so (laughs) so you know it's like you may want more than one championship in the next 15 years, but they haven't won any in more than twice as much amount of time. So I don't. That's I don't get that. You know, it's it. Because again, it's one thing to want it, but it's another thing for it to, you know, to feasibly be able to happen. And that's why I put 15 years, you know, part of why I put 15 years on this, because again, 
it's been 34. Yeah, all the signs are pointing in the right direction that they're trending toward, you know, being a more legitimate contender. But like I was just watching the the four falls of Buffalo, the, the great 30 mm-hmm. for 30 about the Buffalo Bills. They went to four straight Super Bowls, didn't win one. So, you know, like you could go to the playoff four years in a row and get bounced in the first round. You could get bounced in the championship, you know, just getting there is hard enough. And then you've got to win once you get there, once you get there. So to me, it's a no brainer the other way. What do you think about it? Well, I, I don't like when we agree and it's not <laughs> great for our discussion points, but it's like uh, D Hawk said, he goes, is a championship. That's the point. So yes. that's great. Let's win a championship. Let's take one because they haven't won one in so many years. And I, you know, some of those, comments that you're reading even the ones that were like because well the, the wording on, on. i, I want to clarify some simple math because a100 says 34 plus 15 equals 49 your proposal could extend the drought more than 48 years yes could but you could also win it next year and that would be year one of those 15 years you know so you could also end the drought so at 35 have, right right so and you would have one championship in 48 years. And, and, and to be honest, how many programs have won in 48 years? And that's it. Well, I mean, I'm a Kansas City Royals fan. It, <laughs> they went 30 years in between championships, and I never thought that I would even see them get there. You know, I was pretty happy just seeing them get to Game 7 of the World Series the year before they won, and then they won it the next year. You know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and it's been, what are we sitting at now, 26 years since they left, I would I would sign up for one in the next fifteen years, and, and you know even if it meant I would have to go, you know like another fifteen after that, I would I'd wave that wand again to give you're me a magical. Miami one. Dolphins fan, they have never won a Super Bowl in your lifetime, right? Would you sign up for one in the next fifteen years right now? Hell, with Tom Brady in the division, I would have waved the wand to get me one division championship in 15 years. <laughs> yes, I. you have to take a championship. Why wouldn't you take – see, and here's the other thing that's key. You're saying they would have to at least win two to make it not worth taking this guaranteed one. Right. And only and you don't even years? have one guaranteed so, in, the, in that right. scenario. But as I'm saying, so like how many teams have had two in 15 years? None. Well, I mean, outside of the few that got it. Yep. So I just don't understand why you wouldn't just take the one. And if, you know, maybe it splits perfectly seven or eight years in, and then you don't feel that bad, and you can win another one outside of that. You have to fantasy take that one because that's what you want to do. And you even want the that, championship, right? You win the championship, and there's no guarantee. And then here's the other one. So you have to either win zero or two or more. And I just don't see many teams at all the way that college football is going winning two or more especially if they expand the playoff i mean more it, of a chance. It's, like what? it's it's basically alabama and uh, clemson you, you know the only multiples in recent years those are the only teams doing it and that's what i say and do you think in the next 15 years clemson has a shot at winning two of them they're i mean they're already kind of falling down last year so i don't think that notre dame or outside of Alabama right now. And they could fall because Saban's old and who knows how long he'll be there. But any other program in the nation, you wouldn't, if you had to put a hundred dollars on a team to win two championships in 15 years, how many would? Yeah. Vigo says being regionalized by the big 10 will kill off Notre Dame's mystique, bro. Um, But are they really being regionalized in this expanded big 10? Because we're talking about them joining the big 10 prior to prior to two weeks ago, when you got the Los Angeles market, 
that you know that then yeah you were regionalized but you still you know as, as if you're in the Big Ten with USC and UCLA you're still making trips out to the West Coast every year and that's what Notre Dame does already so or, so I don't see them being regionalized plus they have so many open games that they can schedule people they could dip into an SEC game every year they could play another Big Ten opponent or two including. Uh, well, that, I mean, I think it changes your scheduling philosophy for one, you know, like how are you going to schedule your non-conference because you're going to have in a, in a big 10, that big, you're going to have at least nine games and that leaves you three non-conference games to schedule. Now, now if you're in there with, with USC, assuming the big 10, you know, helps you accommodate, you know, that rivalry, then you're still playing them every year. So, you know, you've got, you've got Navy, you, you're still going to take care of Navy. No, well, even regionalized, what does that even mean anymore? Is that just for going to games and getting fans at the game, at the physical game? Because TV ratings is so – and the way that you watch television is easier and easier. You're watching this show on YouTube right now. So the fact that – I don't think that there's a whole lot of regionalization anymore in football except for going to the game, which – Well, and that's part of this – you yeah. know, when we, we're, we're, we're talking about super conferences and – there is no, you know, with w- the SEC is still somewhat regionalized, even though it obviously the footprint print continues to expand. But the Big Ten is just all over the place right now, so it's completely different. And you know, like I'm looking at some of Vigo's comments here in the chat, and I, I agree to an extent with some of what he's saying. Like, I'm just putting this up as a thought question with the national championship being part of it because there's all this anti Big Ten stuff. So that's why it's like. That's why I, I asked the question, okay, but if you said, I'm going to guarantee you you're going to win a national championship in the next 15 years mm-hmm. after you join the Big Ten, but if you stay independent, you're, you're not guaranteed anything, you know, that's that's why the question, because that's where the dilemma is, because I don't, I don't want to see Notre Dame join the Big Ten either, but... When you, you know, attach it like this, if I told you you're going to be guaranteed a championship, would it be worth it? To me, it is because you play to what? Win the game, right? Yeah. And win if a championship you, and a schedule on inside that Big Ten to win the championship and then through the playoff, that's a lot of marquee games. It's a lot of big matchups. It'd be a fun year to watch your team win one. And I don't know if you are not going to win any in 15 years. Or even if you win one on your own without the Big Ten, it's still awesome, but you weren't guaranteed it, and it's almost like a scary thought. Whereas if you're just guaranteed one, sure, let's take it. Let's roll with one. Why not win a championship? And then that could propel, like I say, like if you win it seven, eight years in, you know, maybe you get some recruiting classes, and then after that 15 years that you only get the one, you could win more after that. So I did a Twitter poll. I mentioned that. Here's what's mm-hmm. interesting about the Twitter poll that I did today of the people who commented, you know, I don't know if they voted or not, but of the people who commented, retweeted, whatever, with their comments, the majority were against joining the big 10 and taking the national championship. But in the actual Twitter poll itself, now we didn't have as many people vote in this as we've had in some of our past polls, but over a hundred voted 73% of the people who voted said, join the big 10 only 27% said stay independent. So like as long as they could stay anonymous. Yeah, they wanted to win that championship. Vote, that's right. They they take the championship. They want the championship. But when they put their name <laughs> to it, more people 
you know, are like, uh, no, 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 there's no way I want the Big Ten. Yeah, and the Big Ten, it's always such a weird dynamic between Notre Dame and the Big Ten because it's been going on for how many years now between the two of them. And, you know, it's almost like they both, like the Big Ten's like, we don't want Notre Dame. And Notre's like, well, I don't want to join the Big Ten. But if there's championship, that almost helps all involved, a guaranteed championship. Yeah. Uh, we are not Marshall says one championship in the next 15 years. I want to be alive for the next title of Notre Dame <laughs> bookended two natties in my lifetime, uh, would suck. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, father David, Penny, hundred percent join if it means a title and it's one guaranteed, not one only Yeah, That's, that's, that's exactly right. You're guaranteed one. You yeah. Can so win more than that. Yep. Maybe it could be more. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, here's some of the comments from Twitter. I low the big 10, but if you're guaranteeing a championship, I'll learn to like the conference. My preference would be independence, but a guarantee of a national championship makes this a no brainer. I'm a 30 year old who would love to see at least one in my lifetime. Uh, Michael says that's not a tough decision. And that's all he said. Uh, he didn't say, <laughs> what the, he didn't say how he would actually answer it. He just said, that's not a tough decision. And it's not. I, I. Why wouldn't you just take a You're guaranteed right, Michael, championship? Michael, it's not. Take the championship. Yeah, that's right. That's Dance what, with the devil in the Big Ten well, and take the championship. <laughs> um, the comments that say, well, I don't like the Big Ten. You don't have to like the Big Ten. That's almost the beauty of it. You're getting Notre Dame infiltrating it, and they can knock yeah. out all the other Big Ten teams and beat them in all the games that they have to play against. It's almost like joining up with the ACC a couple of years ago, and you could say, you know, hey, we yeah, we joined your ACC for a year, and we ran the table in the regular season, and we went to the college football playoff. See? Yeah. So, like, if in, under this scenario, after all this – you know, anti-Notre Dame, oh, you need to be in a conference and whatever else, and now mm -hmm. you're going to join the Big Ten and you're going to win a national championship, then you can just rub it right in everybody's noses. Right? Exactly. It almost elevates your program and what you thought of yourself because, like you just said, you can be like, hey, Big Ten, we joined you and we won a championship. When was the last time you had one? Because at this point, who knows how many years it could be down the road. That's exactly right. Uh, Ryan on Twitter said independent. It just means more. Uh, someone else said can't it also mean Michigan or USC won't ever get a championship? Then I'm in. I mean, you know, you can look at it. You'd that be way knocking well. them out because you're in the Big Ten, right? I mean, we. I guess we can change the preferences to be whatever you wanted. Someone else said my first preference would be to stay independent, but if it were forced into a conference, the Big Ten makes the most sense from a competitive standpoint. It's just kind of. Um, interesting how the comments go because it's not necessarily even about the love of Notre Dame and guaranteeing the championship. It's almost driven by the hatred of the Big Ten programs and the Big Ten conference. So you're right. talking about hatred versus guaranteeing yourself a championship. I say get over yourself and take the championship. Same. I'm the same. Uh, D-Hawk says as long as they have a TV partner and a path to the playoff, there's no real point of joining a conference. I mean, that's, that's absolutely right. versus winning it are different, though. Right. Right. That's kind of outside this conversation. But yeah, I mean, the path to the playoff is still what has to be resolved. Like we said, we don't even know what a new playoff is going to look like. And there's no way that with these overbloated conferences that, you know, that, that we have right now, the Big Ten and the SEC, there's no way it's going to stay at only four. But the problem is, okay, again, you go back. The SEC and the Big Ten 
want to expand it. And the SEC a year ago, when they had the, the working group that Jack Swarbrick was a part of, they wanted to expand it, but selfishly because they wanted the chance for more SEC teams to get in. They were already getting multiples every now and then, you know, Georgia and Alabama. They wanted even more. And so if this format expands now with the SEC and the Big Ten having as much power as they already have, they're going to make sure that they're going to get their share of entrance in that playoff. And, you, and again, so like how many at-large spots does that leave everybody else? That's going to be that's going to be a big question that's going to have to be answered when you know when they when get in that room and start debating all this stuff. Well, I think you just went in a circular way of explaining why the SEC will always allow Notre Dame to be a program that can join the playoff because they're saying, okay, if we block Notre Dame, then they're just going to have to join a conference and they're going to join the Big Ten, and then that's right. a huge pin in the Big Ten. I'm not talking about. I see a lot of comments about how that everybody just wants to stay independent. Which okay, but that if you had to join a conference, it was your only way to get in and to the playoff, and then perhaps win a championship. Because otherwise, you're just playing all year, and if they block you, you can't make the playoff. Right. But SEC saying we'll always allow Notre Dame in because they don't want them to join the Big Ten. So it, it makes a lot of sense from the SEC's perspective to allow Notre Dame for now the way that everything is set up to be one of those programs that they can have a viable option and be part of the playoff. But it's also interesting that the playoff is independent of NCAA football, which is weird well, to think of. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. Right. But <laughs> that's a whole saying, other rabbit. But again, so you know, that's, 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 where, that's where the big 10 and the sec are taking over the college football world, you know, and is it actually going to come to two conferences, you know, literally running everything you're either in the big 10 or you're in the sec and, you know, like the Big Ten has a Fox contract and and uh, the SEC has its ESPN, ABC contract, you know, kind of like AFC and, and NFC and, you know, how all that's going to, yeah. you know. But that's that's part of this, too, is with the power that the Big Ten is garnering from all this TV money from, from Fox, again, with this current contract, everything is on ESPN or ABC. I, I think Fox wants to be a player in this next con, And I think... I think that there was at least, you know, last year there was a desire to try to get another TV partner involved because you get more money out of the whole thing. But I think Fox wants to be a player in this as well. You know, like when it comes to well, televising sure. the playoff games and stuff like, you know, just like, you know, again, because like when you look at all the other sports right now, you know, baseball is the extreme model where you've just, you know, on any given night, you've got games on three different networks or whatever, but you know, even NFL playoffs, you've got all the networks involved in, you know, in the early rounds with the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like, could it come to, you know, when you get to the semifinal, Fox has one, ESPN has the other, and then they alternate every other year for who's televising the national championship. So I, I, I could easily see that happening. Yeah. And look at the NFL model. Well, first of all, every network wants to be a part of college football because outside of the NFL, it's part of the most lucrative sports um, entity that they can bring on. And then you look at the way the NFL rotates the Super Bowl through things and who knows what's coming down the pipe for all of the sports. So you could see stuff on Amazon if they throw out, you know, a bazillion dollars to air something and then you have to subscribe to watch. I don't think we're there now, but I think that that's coming eventually. They're already doing Thursday night football and they've been dabbling with football here and there. 
So every, every network wants to be a part of it. I think that obviously we're spiraling the conversation here from the playoff, from Notre Dame having a conference. The money is what's going to drive the bus for everybody. Yeah. I don't even think Notre Dame in I mean, the most pure the way. They on this whole thing. Money. Uh, yeah. TV money is behind this whole thing. You know, right. like if you look at there, there's a lot out there that's that's been reported about how uh, you know, you know, just like the the report that came out, I think it was when you and I were last, you know, the the swim website, you know, with the story yeah. about how ESPN was trying to, you know, to get Clemson and Florida State and these schools out of the ACC and, you know, break up their contract and, and all that stuff. You know, one, I don't think that ESPN was, you know, going to try to get it out of a, a contract that was very, very fair to them, you know, less money that they <laughs> had to pay. But these TV networks are, are, are pushing a lot of this, you know, and maybe not even just a lot of this, almost all of it because it's the money that's being involved. And, you know, again, if, if you're in the big 10, if you're a, a team in the big 10, the big 10 knows they're going to have those markets. And as we've talked about before, the big 10 footprint now has the three biggest markets in the country, Los Angeles, after getting the two LA schools, Chicago and New York. And that is, that is major money and a major coup for the big 10 to be able to pull and and for fox basically to be able to pull that off well fox is interesting because i i think that they made some wrong moves and it wasn't their fault i think the big 12 kind of disintegrated and they were trying to go towards that so then they started to do the big 10 a little bit more and elevated games to the big noon kickoff the big 12 is interesting to me because they've just been pillaging and trying to stay alive for a while now but they seem pretty devoted to having a conference. Whereas the Pac-12, it's like, well, who are they going to get anymore? And does that hurt Fox? Because Fox has the Pac-12 championship game. So are they going to be losing these marquee things? And does that almost shuffle them out unless they're able to buy in in a big way the next couple of years with something, some sort of a contract, and maybe to rotate the championship game or something like that? But otherwise, I think Fox might be a little bit behind the cue ball here. We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. SEC media days start Monday. And longtime college sports writer Matt Hayes says that Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, should just start off media days next week, go to the podium, end all the ongoing speculation, and just say, there will be no more expansion. There will be no more conference implosion, not from the SEC, because the SEC is going to stand pat at 16 teams. Matt Hayes says that Greg Sankey could just end all of the speculation and confusion and everything else. What do you think about that? I think that would be wonderful for this year because everybody's, like I say, fantasy thinking of what could happen and where's everybody going? What does this mean for this or next? It'd just be nice for him to say that for this year so that they can just focus on football, I think. And plus, we're pretty sure nothing else in the SEC is going to happen anyway. So why not just announce it? Say you're locked in for now. Maybe, you know, leave the wording a little bit better so that you can add something (laughs) after the year, but just say right now we're standing pat. We're good. We don't want to, we don't want to take the focus off of this season. And the SEC is hoping to have the national championship come home to our conference with how everything is right now. Yeah. I mean, it's very pie in the sky and, you know, you know, and again, like neither one, we started this thing off. Neither one of us think that, that anything major is going to happen before the season actually starts at this point. You know, we, we basically saw the equivalent of what we got a year ago with Texas and Oklahoma with UC, USC and UCLA. But, 
Yeah, I just I, I I don't see it happening. Yeah, I think that he could, you know, Greg Sakey could go to the microphone, say something like that. I don't think it'll happen, but no. And I don't know. I'm just glad. I'm just, you know, one, this this whole topic, you know, it's been two weeks now. This has given us a lot of stuff to talk about that, you know, it's like the middle of July. I was just you know, thinking like, that. Well, you know, all of our our listeners are always giving us a hard time anytime we start to talk a little bit of of baseball. It's it's like you know, this is this is giving us a lot of football content to talk about these last couple of weeks. So I'm I'm kind of glad for that. Well, like I say, like I was just saying that there's so many who knows who's going where, and it'd be nice if he said that so that they could just put it to bed. So especially for media day, because most of the coaches. It's, they don't know what's going on. They're just trying to coach their team to win a game. They don't know the conference alignment in two years. They're not all privy to all of that. Right. Uh, so, you had the whole, you know, Nick Saban the other day, you know, and it's like, so now we've got to, you know, play the Nick Saban quotes and, and everything else. It's like the, the coaches are so far down on the pecking order in terms of who's actually making these decisions, you know, like, right. Like I, someone asked me last year about, you know, Texas and Oklahoma going to the, you know, why are they going? The answer is always money for one to go back to what you were talking about right. before, because in no, it, there's just no one, no one was thinking, Oh, let's go to the sec because that's going to give us a chance to win more championships. That's not why they do it. They do, you do think it because they, what you said, it's because right. of the, the green the dollar, dollar bill. That's right. Do you, do you think Vanderbilt's in the sec for football expecting to win a championship <laughs> ever? Well, why is Missouri in the SEC? Because the paychecks are bigger. You know, they got tired of Texas for one thing, (laughs) but then they went to the SEC because the paycheck gets bigger. They, you know, they don't have to worry. You know, it it doesn't matter if they're ever competitive again because they're 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 getting a big paycheck. Do you think Texas A and M would have ever given that huge paycheck to Jimbo Fisher if they weren't in the SEC? He doesn't get that money to lead that program that way if they're in the Big Twelve still. Uh, So across the board, it changes a lot of things in the programs and their expectations and what they're doing. But obviously the SEC was attractive for, and you know that you're going to go into Alabama and the big and LSU when they're up or Auburn when they're up, you know, all these big programs. That's not what it's about. And the coaches aren't making that decision because the coaches would like to go and win a lot of games and, and keep their job for a long time. The administrators and the athletic directors, those are the people that are making the decisions to go to these conferences. It's nothing to do with the game day personnel. D Hawk said, I Missouri. forgot Missouri was a state until Sean mentioned it. And I wish I could forget about it, but I, you got to drive through Missouri to get to other places or Missouri. <laughs> yeah. um, depending on, yeah, what you want to, that's right. You have to <laughs> yeah. having grown up where I grew up in Kansas. It was, you know, it, it was there all the time. And now to get back to Kansas, to see relatives in the way i've got to go drive a lot shorter if it wasn't you just there. can't avoid missouri i guess you could avoid missouri but you just you know you'd have to go farther into nebraska or yeah. into nebraska I yeah guess, so i have to drive around big 10 country then that's right, <laughs> All right let's hit a few rapid fire topics here before we uh finish tonight nfl's pushing for flag football to be a demonstration sport in the 2028 olympics in los angeles they think that getting the sport to the olympics is going to help attract more fans worldwide. Do you buy or sell flag football in the Olympics, Bobby? I'm going to have to sell it. I understand that the product is trying to be more 
international, but they're not trying to get international growth of the game in terms of players or anything, just viewers. I don't think that putting well, it in the Olympics is an exhibition, but, but putting flag football in the Olympics as a competition isn't going to sell the product. Cause then if you like that, and then the first game you watch and like somebody tackles a guy, you're like, Whoa, what was that? That, well, you know. see, I would disagree with that because for there to be you know, obviously it's, it's interesting because baseball, basketball, football, you know, American football, all sports that were, um, invented in America, right. In the United States, but the other two sports, basketball, basketball is global. Baseball mm -hmm. is at least somewhat global. Football is still predominantly just a United States sport, you know, a United States phenomena. And the only way that basically their goal is to, you know, to, to try to make a billion dollars in annual revenue off, you know, the NFL's goal worldwide. And the only way to do that is if you've got people in those countries playing football. Now, you're not going to just slap on helmets and shoulder pads and, and everything else and have people go out there playing football in some of these other countries where they haven't traditionally been playing it. Fair, David Penny says, fair. Uh, Canada, okay. To a lesser extent, the Canadian Football League is still there. That's true. Okay, so we'll say North America anyway, <laughs> not, not just the United States, but predominantly the United States. But I, I guess my point is, if that's your goal, you're never going to get to it if you don't have people in those other countries playing the sport. So, yeah, flag, flag football structurally is different, but it's still the same sport. And if you're going to try to grow some kind of interest in it, you've got to start somewhere, I guess. And I would say well, the Olympics is as good a place as any because then it gives each of those countries, you know, goals, you know, that, hey, we can have a team in the Olympics, that kind of thing. Now, it didn't work out that well for softball. Remember when U.S. softball yeah. team dominated everything, and then they got rid of it. But yeah, so I don't. But it's it's you, not a complete. I, I understand what you're saying. So it's but, it's maybe not a full in buy for me, but it, I I understand what they're trying to accomplish anyway. I just don't think the Olympics are your viable option of how to grow the sport. Is I guess the bigger picture to me because like they already had most of the world has rugby that they love and endure in every country, and I know it's not the same as football. I'm not even trying to say they're they're close. But, you know, the, the physicality of rugby, you know, is, could be similar to what you see in football. But I don't think that the Olympics are the way to do it. It's almost more like I think you'd get more fans. if the And I know I don't care about logistics. That's not my job to figure <laughs> out. But if you were to have more exhibition football games, you know, maybe move like one game a year to a different country. You'd get more fans that way, I feel like, than having an exhibition of flag football in the Olympics. Well, but but by having it in the Olympics, it's not just a game. You're you're encouraging, you know, leagues to form in every country so that they so that every country can have an entrant, you know, and you can also have male and female and everything else with flag football. So all inclusion and the the stage for the Olympics too. I, the viewership is different than a normal sporting event. I don't. What I always say watching the Olympics is. You're not getting sports fans watching most of them. You're it's more of the the, the stories of what's going casual on. Casual fans, so, casual so fans. I don't even and think what, casual. What fans. draws eyeballs? What drives right. draws eyeballs to TV? Casual fans. I don't right. even think it's. I think it's even more than that. I think it's people that don't even like sports that'll watch figure skating. You know stuff. 
I, yeah. So I understand lines. your point. <laughs> and the more eyeballs you get on any products, a good thing. So I guess I could see it. It just seems so weird. It would be an exhibition. It wasn't even a real thing. And then how they set it up. I, I could see that it could be beneficial because like I say, any, any eyeball is a good eyeball and anything can be better, but it's still not really the product. So what are you selling? More people might be disappointed watching it there. And then when they watch the NFL, cause it's different. Yeah. David Penny says it's regular people watching, not a sports nuts. Yes. Regular, <laughs> regular being the key. Um, Pittsburgh's Heinz field is no more. It's gone away. There won't be that big thing of ketchup out there anymore. It's going to be called Acrisure. Stadium because Heinz decided they didn't want the naming rights anymore. Fill in the blank. The worst venue name change in sports history is blank. Wrigley Field. Hate that place. Who wants <laughs> <laughs> a gum company? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, actually, if you go across town, though, guarantee rate field. Mm-hmm. And I know. I know you're setting me up on this one. I felt like that. It's fine, but I mean, I, they, I honestly can't think of anything worse than. <laughs> I know. That's great. going Comiskey when, to U.S. Wow. Cellular when they called it the Cell, and then to Guaranteed Rate Field. I mean, Coffin Stadium's not a great name either. I'm talking the <laughs> thing about the White Sox name change that really sucked is when you drove by it on the Dan Ryan, all you saw outside their stadium was a big red arrow pointing down, and <laughs> that the name change was bad enough. But once you added that arrow, it just it's not what you want for your friend. It's a bad look everywhere. It's a I bad agree. logo. I agree. I don't, I just, you know, like I said, I don't know that there is a worse name change, but you know, again, like Acrisure, actually, it's like, I had to Google what Acrisure even is, but I guess they've accomplished their goal just by putting their name on it because now people are looking it up to see what it is. But it wasn't, it wasn't like it was Steeler Stadium and now they sold out to get a sponsor. Heinz Field is already just switching it. Yeah. So I don't think it's that big of a dramatic change. I mean, it's just a different sponsorship. Just because you're used to one doesn't make the sponsor better. Like if Notre Dame Stadium became, you know, some brand, Coca-Cola, Notre Dame Stadium or something, that's a big deal. But I don't think changing a name from one brand to another is even a bad look for Pittsburgh. The Derek Jeter docuseries is coming to ESPN next week. It's going to be called The Captain. It's going to debut after next Monday night's home run derby, which means it's going to be on relatively late by the time it's all said and done because it seems like those derbies never end early. But which are you more interested in, home run derby or the launch of the Derek Jeter series that's coming after it? Well, I'm just a little sad I don't get my celebrity softball game after the home run derby that usually comes (laughs) on. (laughs) Uh, I think it's the home run derby I'll be more interested in on that night because you can stream that Jeter documentary whenever you want without commercials too. Whereas the home run derby, they've made it into a kind of an exciting event. Now I am very interested in the Jeter documentary, maybe even overall, but I like to stack up a few episodes so I can stream them all at once. And then I don't have to watch commercials. Are you so, a Jeter and, fan? And the home run- like, do you like Jeter? No. Did you like Jeter? No. Yeah. I just Kalamazoo boy though. Not a Yankees guy Midwest at guy. all, and he just always came off as, you know, he's a good player. He came was kind of boring to me. He's a good player, but if Derek Jeter has good. those same stats on the Kansas City Royals, what's his national appeal? I agree. You know, or if he's I out agree. west in San Diego or on the Angels, what's his appeal then? Take him out of a Yankees uniform. That's right. And the team around him was so tremendously talented and good, his regime. 
that I think that that was part of what made him what he was. Because if he has those same numbers but doesn't win the championships and he's at – flip it. He's in Oakland and somebody else throws him out at home. I don't think we look at him the same way. Is he still a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. But I don't think that we look at him the way we do. Plus, to me, the way he managed the Miami Marlins situation kind of mm. put a sour That's taste true. in my mouth about him. I just, you know, I'm interested. I think I'm more interested in in the Jeter thing because there's only so much home run derby that I can watch. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's you know, it's batting practice basically. I, I am interested in some of this. Like he's going to talk about, you know, some A Rod stuff that's going to be in there. Now that is this is long. I think it's like at least six episodes. It's not all going to obviously air on the same night. But he's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about the infamous gift baskets. You've heard that story, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe part of that is just pure jealousy on my part that I wish <laughs> that I could live a life that's like, all right, here's your gift basket after our, our lovely evening together. <laughs> and thanks for dropping off your cell phone on the way in so that you can't uh, record anything. Yeah. But he, I mean, you're talking about this, his biggest play, I think that he made against the, the athletics in the playoffs he was out of position to flip it to home. <laughs> he shouldn't even been that close to the plate. I have always argued, well, not 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 the one to flip it home, I guess, but that other one where he goes into the stands. You know, if there's not like only oh, four yeah. feet in foul territory, it's like, okay, he ran and caught the ball. He did his job, basically. But the, it, that, that whole thing has just been so overblown because there happened to be a short wall there it's not like he you know he risked his life running through that wall i mean he made a catch that's what he's supposed to do and it only looked more dramatic because there was a low wall and there wasn't that much room in foul territory i just yeah and then he just went and did his job and everybody acts like he was like that play made him a hall of famer yes and i feel like he was always really good when the lights were on and i i'm just pretty sour against him so that's just my bias coming out but yeah right. okay in the playoffs he'd play well but how about how hard was he playing would he have made that same catch in august in you know a game that didn't mean as much yeah but Yankee right. stadium in the playoffs was always a big stage i guess i want to get this tony Larusa stuff in here for you since you are such a big white Sox fan and all right it was good talking with you have a good day uh-huh so so first shane is it reardon is it, i don't know how you say his name from the score in chicago he's guaranteeing that tony larus is not going to finish the season as as the manager of the white Sox. and then last night did you see this on twitter last night oh, or that, i think yeah Ozzie okay <laughs> so so former white Sox manager ozzy Gian, for the people not in the chicago market he's one of the co-hosts of the White Sox post-game show on TV. He calls Larusa quote, Rick Renteria with credentials, <laughs> end quote, on the post-game show the other night. And so longtime baseball writer John Heyman tweets, will be interesting to see if it's possible to get someone's job by insulting them on a post-game show. <laughs> so Gian responds, hate me why? Because of bad English? Because I won, am loud, good-looking, rich. I don't need to insult anyone to get a job. Maybe you think I do. Tired of you putting me down. Maybe you think you can because you're privileged, and I am not. What do you think about all this, Bobby? You're the White Sox fan here. I've been around the White Sox program. White Sox program. I'm in college football mode. White Sox, like, you know, Twitter and everything. 
Ozzy's always been that way. That's what made him successful when they were winning. And that's what kind of got him out of good favor when they were losing. Mm -hmm. He's just always been kind of fly off the handle. And it's a player's coach. Um, Irish High Town says, I love Ozzy. I think anyone that's a part of the White Sox fandom likes Ozzy. Obviously, he won the championship as a manager. So, you know, he gets a pass on almost everything from White Sox fans. Um, I am intrigued what more non-White Sox fan thinks because I don't really know how, like, other people think of him. Well, He's One, always think, been he's always been straight to the point. Are you talking about Ozzy or are you talking about Larusa now? Ozzy, you're still talking about Ozzy. Okay, yeah, yeah, I I like Ozzy. You know, I think that because he was in Chicago and because of that personality, you know, the first time around, it it, it probably was time for him to go. And you know, there's all this talk about you know whether he would actually you know get the the, the job now and all that kind of stuff. To me, it's more like. I was I was surprised to see John John Heyman, you know, just lobbing volleys at Ozzy Gian out of all this. You know, like this is a guy who's been around for a long time and he's he's never been, you know, like an over-the-top hot take type guy, but like the fact that that he's equating Ozzy Gian saying what he said on a White Sox post-game show, you know, like this is this is part of the you know the the, the White Sox TV contract. This post game show, and they appear to be fine with it, or at least nothing has happened so far. So I'm surprised that John Heyman came at at Ozzie Gian so quickly. I don't know if Ozzie, you know, actually is doing this, you know, to lobby for a job. But you know, we you and I have talked about Tony Larusa before. <laughs> Tony Larusa, I don't think has any business being in a major league dugout, clubhouse, whatever anymore. I, I think his it's painfully, painfully obvious right now that his time has passed. And you know, where this White Sox team is, they need something to kick him into gear. And Ozzie Gian, you know, would be convenient. He's right there. So yeah, you know, I, what do you again you're the Sox yeah, team. So what I do you say it's tough because I don't think that Ozzie if you know if they get rid of LaRusso, which I think they should, I'm not disagreeing with that part. I don't think Ozzy's your guy. He's not, according to the White Sox, he's probably not old enough. And he's, yeah, he does not have a filter. But they're <laughs> right. trying to, I mean, they hired La Russa, it's so old that it's like, I don't know. I think that if you get rid of La Russa, it's because you have Madden and the waiting in the wings. That would be a good hire. Even at this point in the season, maybe he could turn it around and make it. Madden's him, a free agent right now. And that's what so. I'm saying. And the Angels were as bad enough that they fired him, but the Angels have, their running percent is 0.08 since they fired him. So I think that the only way that LaRusso doesn't make is if they have somebody they can plug in and that I think Madden would be wonderful. Ozzy would be good. You almost don't want him to come back because he had a good run. I don't think you need him to come back. It's almost what LaRusso did. You don't need a guy that's been out of the game for a while to come back and see if they have any shine left on him. I think that I, you got to, you got to guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. Uh, and I, if they had Buck Showalter, They'd be in first place right now. I guarantee it. Well, agree or disagree? I disagree. I think that the White Sox this year are just really, again, I'm biased, but I think they're just, they're not playing to potential. I don't think it's a manager. I think it's a mix of injuries. If you're not playing to potential, it's somebody's fault, right? I mean, they had injuries. You can only, you can only fall back on the injuries so long. That well, was early in the of, season. 
No, part of it's the scouting and stuff. They got Josh Harrison playing second base when they could have gone after a guy like Trevor Story or got a guy that's a marquee guy to play there. Instead, okay. they made a terrible trade last year for Cesar Hernandez, who barely even made the postseason roster. This year, the only thing they added was Josh Harrison, who's not an all-star or an everyday player even. So I think it's more in the front office of what did you expect different from last year to this year? No, I don't I mean, think that's managing. No, I th- fair, but – I think what you're really saying is this is a dysfunctional organization and Tony La Russa would not even be there if it weren't for the sentimentality that Reinsdorf, you know, Reinsdorf basically said when he hired mm-hmm. him that he didn't want to basically go to his grave regretting the fact that he fired Tony La Russa and La Russa went on to be a Hall of Fame manager winning, you know, World Series with, with Oakland and, and St. Louis. So he brings the guy out of retirement after a decade because he, you know, he thinks he's got this team to win and he thinks LaRusse is the team to, you know, to, to win it with. And well, I, so I just, well, I, I, you know, you're like, you're talking, I, I agree to an extent what you, you know, some of the things that you're talking about, but it's, it's very obvious right now that there needs to be a different standard in the clubhouse. And like going back to what I was talking about with Buck, Buck is the kind of guy who holds those standards. That's why he's, Every organization Buck Showalter has been at, you know, he took he took these teams from being losing teams, whether whether it was the Yankees, whether it was the Orioles, whether it was the Diamondbacks, and now with the Mets, he's taken them all from underperforming, and in a in a relatively quick amount of time, he's turned them into winners because of the standards that he sets in the clubhouse. And I understand what you're saying. I- I think part of our conversation right now is about what, how much stock you put in the manager and the white Sox are. And I think it's harder at the big league level because these are guys getting paid money and they're supposed to have some of their own self-motivation, but again, sure. But Mets weren't great last year. Look at where they've been, you know, in the same amount of time this year, but signing or yeah, the signing of La Russa, I think is what spurred the white Sox out of being a cohesive unit. You look at the 05 White Sox that won a championship. They didn't have a bunch of all-stars on that team. They didn't have a bunch of Hall of Famers on that team. But each person played their role. Ozzy kept it loose enough for them throughout the they whole had season. Ozzie. They had Ozzy. And, and <laughs> so I understand your point. I think that when they signed La Russa, as, as a big fan, I almost was like, wow, we have a lot of good parts. And I guess they really aren't committed to winning is the vibe that I got as a fan. Wow. And that was when they hired him. The day they hired him. Because at that point, A.J. Hinch was still available, the former Astros yep. manager, yep. who's now yep. in Detroit. And they've been hot, and they've been playing better with less talent than the White Sox. So when they didn't get him, and they went with Larusa for no reason except for personal issues, they put their personal – Reinsdorf put his Cora. personal – Alex Cora as well. Yeah. They put the, – uh, Reinsdorf put his personal issue ahead of winning. And as a fan, that already – that, that set me off into a negative headstorm about this whole team anyway. But then, so last year, they had a chance. They made the playoffs. They they lost to the Astros. Still a good good season for where they were. And if they had just added a couple of pieces, an outfielder and a, a second baseman, that team would have been loaded. And instead, they pretty much stayed pat and didn't do much. And it's like, again, you're not committed to winning then because you had yeah. to do something. And uh, they traded K, uh, Craig Kimbrell for uh, AJ Pollock. Nice little piece, not the answer to your problems. And they only signed Pollock because yeah. Eloy got hurt already. Yeah. Or made that trade because of injuries in the outfield. Bobby, I'm just impressed that people have hung on and stayed on 
to uh, listen and watch us argue about baseball. baseball. Because yeah, typically thank you, everyone, up, for the baseball comments. We didn't get a fencing comment at all in the chat tonight. So. Especially from Irish Shytown that said I was correct. That's my first That's nice right. comment. That's right. You got some. You got some. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's going to be the end of the week for us. Of course, uh, Brian and Vince. I don't know if Ryan's going to be with them tomorrow. I think Ryan will be back tomorrow with the mailbag Friday afternoon and uh, big weekend coming up. So <laughs> looking forward to that. And then uh, we'll be back, of course, on Monday and run right through the week as we've got plenty more. Uh, you know, we do. We've we've got the All Star break, home run derby, the Jeter stuff, all that stuff. We'll find a way to talk about conference realignment again. That's right. Sooner or later, we'll review Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Pulp Fiction and White Sox are our uh, two uh, <laughs> side hustles here on this show. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Derek Calmer said, "LOL, I just got here. Let's do a recap. We can do um, that real quick. There's, what you might want to do, Derek, <laughs> is just uh, wait till this." Uh, video posts on archive and, and just uh, start over from the beginning. It's like having it on the DVR. Um, but uh, I, I guess the, you know, the, the long and the short of it is more people voted for uh, join the big 10 and take the national championship. Although, you know, again, most of the comments were to the contrary, but the people who voted on the Twitter poll said otherwise. Now, I guess the one thing about that is, we don't know for sure how many of those people were actually Notre Dame fans. You could, you know, you could easily have some other people sneaking in there and just say, "Join the Big Ten because they want them to join the Big Ten. But yeah. Michigan fans, yeah. that's right. All right, well, have a great weekend. Don't forget, hit that yes, like button, subscribe to us, and and uh, rate and comment and all that kind of good stuff on the podcast as well. Bobby, have a good weekend. Uh, you too. To do anything, I wouldn't do. I'll try not to. And another uh, gray area. I'm actually going to see uh, John Mulaney in uh, Chicago this weekend. Wow. Comedian. You ever you ever seen any of his stuff on Netflix or any of that? Yeah, I've seen some of his stuff. I'm surprised you're into him. He's funny. He's very funny. That's why I'm surprised you're into him. Unlike you. All right. Yeah, have, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye.